understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Welcome to this week's episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this episode, and be sure to share it with your friends, whether they listen to their podcasts on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or any other platform. We're sure to be there, and they can subscribe, like, and even rate us. I'd like to encourage you to go over to our Facebook page, where every day we do our Superstar of the Day, celebrating somebody's birthday. And for the month of February, we've been doing a Fantasy Warfare poll, which will not be outdone by next month. For 31 days, I'm going to be running a March Madness, Best in Ontario, Top 32 stars from this province are going to be voted down to become the number one star in Ontario. So that's all month long on our Facebook page, our very own Ontario Wrestling March Madness. On this week's episode, I look at the very busy schedule that's going to come for Smash Wrestling with two stops here in London in the month of March, along with a stop in Kitchener and Toronto. I have a review of a crossbody pro wrestling event from last week sent to me by James Weber. And then we look at the upcoming card for Double or Nothing with AEW, StarCast 2 lineup, and review, and look at the week in WWE, along with results from the Elimination Chamber, Raw, SmackDown, and news from WWE. I'll be right back in just a couple minutes. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture con- convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com slash shockstock. Presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, 
Vagrancy Films, the Grimm Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. Following the news that the former hottest free agent in pro wrestling, Kenny Omega, is joining AEW, London Comic Con can finally announced that the best belt machine is making his way to Southwestern Ontario for London Comic Con 2019 this October. Omega will be available to meet fans, sign autographs, and host a special VIP video game tournament. More details and announcements are coming soon. Check out London Comic Con for more details. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Smash Wrestling has been kind of quiet since their February 2nd Race for Impact show along with Impact Wrestling that was on Twitch. If you hadn't seen it, go back and watch it. It's definitely worth the card to see. With nothing else scheduled for the rest of February, Alan Taylor and company have all been busy getting together cards for the busy month of March. Our friend Daniel Coper had posted on his Facebook page that he was disappointed that there wasn't going to be another Smash event in London until March 31st. Alan ended up responding to him, wondering, what if I can do something for you? And sure enough, Alan came through with March 8th, Welcome to the Proving Grounds. It's happening at Fanshawe College at Fourwell Hall, starting at 7 o'clock until 10 p.m., and it's hosted by Smash Wrestling. It's going to feature the students of the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. You're going to have the alumni plus the current students all involved in this. The students have been challenged to choose their opponents and meet them on the Proving Grounds. While matches have yet to be officially announced, you're going to see stars like Jim Strider, Fireball Jordan James, Alec Realm, Kyle Boone, Pharaoh Bowman, Violet Lee, Shiloh, Nova, Josh Pine, Chris Mitchells, and many more of the students that are getting ready to make their Smash Wrestling debut. Tickets for this event are just $20, and you can get them from Fanshawe College or from your favorite Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory student. Once again, that's Friday, March 8th at 7 p.m., Fanshawe College, Farwell Hall. Time for the students to prove their worth on the Proving Grounds. Then the next night, March 9th, Smash Wrestling presents The Spirit Within, live in Kitchener at the Taste of the Tannery. It's another stacked card featuring the Pillars, Tyson Dukes, and Brent Banks taking on the team of Mark Wheeler and Anthony Gaines. Because after the brawl that took place with the Pillars and Killscreen at Brace for Impact, two members of each faction will go toe-to-toe at the Taste of the Tannery. After losing the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Championships at the very same event to Halal Beefcake, Brent Banks and Tyson Dukes look to take out their frustrations on Gaines and Wheeler. Then, the rivalry between the Pillars and Killscreen continues as Sebastian Suave and Scotty O'Shea find their paths cross in Kitchener. Inserted into the fray is the man who impressed Smash Wrestling management against Killscreen the last time they rolled through Kitchener, Joey Allen from PWA. 
Momentum is everything in pro wrestling, and all three of these men have an opportunity to earn it on March 9th. In a match that was originally scheduled to take place the last time Smash Wrestling rolled through the tannery, Kevin Bennett and Mike Rollins will finally meet one-on-one. The last time their paths crossed, Rollins inserted himself into Bennett's rap video. Does Psycho Mike have more mind games in store, or did his conscience make him do it? In a match that will undoubtedly look back on years from now as a historic moment for Smash Wrestling, March 9th will see the Smash Wrestling debut of Nova. She's a standout from the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory in London, and Nova is aiming straight for the top as she takes on Jody Threat. Threat has made a name for herself since joining Smash Wrestling roster and welcomes the challenge of the highly touted newcomer. It wasn't that long ago she found herself in the same position. After losing due to female distraction the last time he was in Kitchener, the muscle appears to have found himself a new number one hottie in Violet Lee. On March 9th, he finds himself across the ring from a man who's not in the mood for his shenanigans, however. John Greed views the muscle as a disgrace to pro wrestling. He will treat him as such at the Taste of the Tannery Event Center. The new Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake, are set to defend their titles against Wrestle Factory graduates Alec Realm and Fireball Jordan James. The Wrestle Factory will look to extract a little revenge after Halal Beefcake took their titles away from the trainers Tyson Dukes and his partner Brent Banks in a match marred with controversy at Brace for Impact. And then, in the main event... Tarek is set to defend the Smash Wrestling Championship against Super K. Super K impressed management with his performance alongside fellow PWA roster members last time Smash Wrestling rolled into town. He's been rewarded with an opportunity of a lifetime, and it all goes down in Kitchener at the Taste of the Tannery Event Center on Saturday, March 9th. You can get your tickets by going to smash-wrestling.com and to get more information on upcoming events. And that next Smash Wrestling event is happening on Sunday, March 24th, at the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto. Smash Wrestling presents Tell All Your Friends. In November 2017, Smash Wrestling needed an opponent for Mike Bailey. The man they called Cage reached out. These two had never fought a singles match, and they both wanted to make it happen in Toronto. Sadly, it didn't work out in such short notice. And it ended up becoming Mike Bailey versus Matt Riddle. But that didn't stop Smash Wrestling from talking about these two still having a match against each other. And finally, it's going to happen. Plus, in a rematch from the Canusa Classic, tag team partners will face off once again as Lufisto faces off against Jordan Grace. The challenge is put out there during any given Sunday 7, and in the spirit of competition, Brent Banks requested a championship match against Tarek. And the match was signed. Two members of the Pillars will face off one-on-one for the Smash Wrestling Championship. Good luck trying to keep up with this next match, as Triple Threat Tag Team action is becoming especially in Smash Wrestling. And these guys are looking to get in on those conversations themselves. The Renegades come to Smash Wrestling, along with the return of TDT and Killscreen, show us what they can do as... Hacker and Gaines work together. During any given Sunday 7, Jay Freddy replaced Daniel Garcia to take on 
Sebastian Suave, he impressed so much that another one of the pillars wanted a shot at him too. So in this case, Tyson Dukes is going to face off against Jay Freddy. It was also seen during Brace for Impact that Sebastian Suave put out a challenge to the first Smash Wrestling champion, Matt Cross, and that challenge has been accepted, and they will face off one-on-one during Tell All Your Friends. And finally, to wrap up the card, you're going to see Veda Scott take on Jody Threat. That card happens on March 24th at the Phoenix Concert Theater in Toronto. Once again, you can get your tickets by going to smash-wrestling.com. And the month of March concludes with a return back here in London to bookend the month as Smash Wrestling presents Louder Now at the London Music Hall. Mike Bailey comes to London. If you've never seen him before, you're in for a real treat. As Bailey will be here in London to take on the remix, Kevin Bennett. And after the chaos that went down during Breaks for Impact, it's been signed and made official. The Pillars will take on Killscreen in 4 vs. 4 action. Renegades are coming to Smash Wrestling, and in London, they're going to take on the powerhouses of TDT. This match is going to be insane, as all four men combine speed with a rough physical style. London is also developing the next crop of great female wrestlers, and on March 31st, they're putting them all to the... London is developing the next crop of great female wrestlers, and on March 31st, they're putting them to the test as they all step into the ring with Jody Threat. You'll see Nova versus Violet Lee versus Shiloh versus Jody Threat in a four-way match. King of the North, Carter Mason returns to the London Music Hall, this time to take on John Greed. Also in action, we'll see the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions Halal Beefcake plus the Butcher and Blade. It all goes down at the London Music Hall, Sunday, March 31st at 4 p.m. And you can get more information by checking out the Smash Wrestling Facebook page or going to their website at smash-wrestling.com for all your ticket information and purchases. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes. And you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. 
Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. And now for some more independent wrestling news from Ontario, plus the upcoming event calendar. I'd like to thank James Weber for sending me the results and report from the recent Crossbody Pro Wrestling event that happened in Kitchener during Family Day weekend called Family Day Feud 3. The pre-show saw Solo Ali and Dylan Daniels taking on Swole Patrol, with Swole Patrol picking up the victory. There was a 10-bell salute to the late Otto Bon. A tag team match started off the event with Fight or Flight versus Super Future. Palmer Cruz gave Von Vertigo his t-shirt and told him to put it on, and he did. Walker was cheering on his partner with every move. Superfuture had the size advantage throughout most of the match. Ferreza gave Walker the middle finger, and Fight or Flight won with Vaughn rolling up Palmer. Ferreza, unfortunately, did the backstabber on Vaughn Vertigo. We'll have to see what happens and what the future holds for the team of Fight or Flight. Then there was a three-on-three tag team match featuring Jimbo Jones, Jake Jones, and Kyle Brooks taking on Pretty Rick Wild, Hancock, and unfortunately, James was not able to get the name of their tag team partner. The match went all over the place, including Ricky hitting a spear on Jimbo, and Jimbo went off the top rope and out onto the floor where all the other guys were. The final came when Jimbo Jones got a pin on the Blue Ribbon Champion, Pretty Ricky Wild. There was a fatal four-way for the internet title, featuring champion Lionel Knight defending against Covey Christ, Justin Sane, and Scotty O'Shea. Justin used Covey as a weapon by slamming him on both Scotty O'Shea and then again on Lionel Knight. All four men were at one point in the center of the ring, taking turns chopping, slapping, and punching each other. Knight hit the frog splash on Scotty O'Shea to retain the internet championship. Jake something went one-on-one with Kobe Durst, with Jake hitting power moves coming out of the gate. Kobe was chopping at Jake, and Kobe then jumped off the top rope, but Jake stuck out his chest and swatted him away. Jake was overpowering Kobe through most of the match, and Jake picked up Kobe for the fall-away slam. But Kobe reversed it and suplexed him. Durst came off the top rope, doing his ram jam twice, with Jake kicking out and powerbombing him. Kobe then kicked out of that, and both men were on the outside as Jake picked up Kobe and dropped him on the apron. Durst hit a codebreaker off the rope and pinned Jake something for the victory. Crossbody Pro Wrestling Tag Team titles were in line as the Empire took on Dirty Vets. Matt was given one free shot and he kicked him down the stairs. Marcus uh, Ryan picked up a chair. JT used the chair over Marcus and JT then put the chair by Notorious TID. Matt flew off the top ropes and hit a leg drop onto the chair. Dirty Vets got the table but JT put TID through the table. Hamill got on the ring and put his cane by the ring. They ended up using Hamill's cane, which is a makeshift taser. 
Marcus tased both guys and got the victory to retain the titles. After the victory, Jimbo Jones stepped in and laid on the fallen empire, but he got tasered as well for his troubles. Alexia used ropes to choke out Moon, and fan favorite Moon was trying to mount some offense, but every time she tried, Alexia would stop her. Moon was with an armbar submission, but Alexia went for a spear and missed her. Moon rolled her up for the big win. The main event was a 60-minute Ironman match for the Crossbody Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship, featuring Josh Alexander taking on Holden Albright. I'm definitely going to give James a lot of credit here because for an hour-long match, he was able to detail a lot of things that went on. Unfortunately, I'm not going to spend all that time to give all that detail, but I will get to the last five minutes of the match where Holden Albright was up one fall. Josh Alexander did his finisher spinning uh, Tombstone, but Holden was able to kick out. With one minute remaining, Josh tried to submit Holden, but time ran out, and Holden Albright won and is the crossbody pro wrestling champion. After the match, Josh Alexander talked to the crowd about Holden, and afterwards, Josh left, but the lights went out, and when they came back on, Mark Wheeler was shown in the middle of the ring. He held up Holden's hand and handed him the title. He pointed two fingers at his head like a gun just to end the show. All in all, it seemed like a really good show, and once again, thank you to James Weber for taking the time to do so and sending in the results. I hope you enjoyed the show, along with everybody else that was in attendance. As just a reminder, for anyone else who happens to listen to this podcast, if you attend an independent wrestling show and I'm not at it, feel free to send me the results through our Facebook page or emailing it at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. Whether you want to do it audio and call it in, or if you want to do what James did and send it via text, and I'll read it off what happened, I'd love for you to be a part of the show. There's so much independent wrestling happening throughout Ontario, and I can only get to so many shows, and there's so many things that happen. Let's highlight it all as much as possible, and you can be a part of this wrestling podcast by doing what James did. This show to all the fans of the Buffalo Brothers, Daniel Garcia, Puff, Kevin Blackwood, and the remix Kevin Bennett. As you all know, in early January, they were on their way home from an FLQ show in Quebec, and just before they got home, they hit some ice on a bridge and spun out, causing a horrific car crash. Thankfully, we've already seen the likes of Puff and Kevin Bennett make their way back to the wrestling ring. We're still waiting on Kevin Blackwood and Daniel Garcia to do so as well. However, it's a longer road for them to recover, and expenses are piling up. Initially, there were some GoFundMe pages created for them, and a lot of fans donated, and it is greatly appreciated. However, since then, not much has been said, but... For the month of March, we're going to continue giving back to the Buffalo Brothers 
with our draw for the autographed t-shirt scumbags wrestling podcast logo that was signed by the ladies of the canusa classic in october when they were here for comic-con plus for the month of march i'm throwing in another offer that if you buy a scumbags wrestling t-shirt whether it's our original logo or our podcast shirt from twisted tees i'll be donating my profit from that also to the buffalo brothers recovery fund so all month of march you can give back to these guys and help them get back on their feet and back into the wrestling ring tickets for the draw are three for five dollars or ten for ten i accept e-transfers for your payment for tickets and we'll be doing the draw just before the wd hall of fame on april 6th and for t-shirts they're just 25 dollars, and you can order them either directly through twisted tees or through me and we'll get them ordered in time for april help support the buffalo brothers as they recover and return to the ring my name is the muscle smash wrestling's hottest free agent i toss bodies and wheel hotties and you're listening to the scumbags of wrestling podcast And now, for this weekend's event calendar. February 22nd, PWA returns to Guelph at the Red Chevron Club at 7pm. Tickets are available at CanadianProWrestling.com. Beautiful Bea will defend her women's title against Madison Miles. Covey Christ takes on John Atlas. The British giant Charlie Winston takes on Clay Wilson. Brandon Jacobs faces Andrew Davis. Jeff Black and Lenny Lilac take on El Reverso and Super Kamikaze. Diamond Tiger Kobe Durst faces the Darewolf PJ Black and the Walking Weapon Josh Alexander for the Pure Violence Championship. And the main event is for the Elite Championship as Elian Habanero. Joey Allen, Addy Starr, and Eazy-E all face off in a fatal four-way for the Elite Championship. And this all takes place Friday night, February 22nd, in Guelph. Then, on Saturday, February 23rd, in Fort Erie, Bordertown Pro Wrestling presents Uprising. You can get your tickets for this event at BordertownWrestling.com. The team of Fire Flight will actually be going against each other this could be a result of what happened recently at the Crossbody Pro Wrestling event last weekend. John Atlas takes on Tyler Turva and in a battle of student versus teacher, Jim Strider faces off against Tyson Dukes. There'll also be Scotty O'Shea taking on Tarek. There'll be a tag team match featuring the pillars of Sebastian Suave and Brent Banks taking on Lock and Loaded. Mark Wheeler, and Jesse V. It's a stacked lineup that you don't want to miss, and that's happening at the Bordertown Pro Wrestling event on February 23rd. Also on February 23rd, PWA returns to Kitchener at the Alpine Club in Kitchener. Tickets available at CanadianProWrestling.com. 
you'll see the six foot nine, three hundred pound British giant Charlie Winston take on Jeff Black. Clay Wilson faces Kobe Durst. There'll be a number one contenders match for the Pure Violence Championship, featuring Lenny Lilac versus Brandon Jacobs, Lance Mal- Malibu, and Warhead. Covey Christ takes on the Cuban sensation Elian Habanero. Sabrina Kyle takes on Madison Miles. In Lucha Rules match, El Reverso faces off against Super K and Nolan Pink in three-way action. Plus then for the Elite Championship, Joey Allen faces off against Eze with no championship advantage as if Eze is disqualified or counted out. He will lose his elite title. That's PWA in Kitchener on February 23rd. Finally, on February 23rd, Backdraft and Destiny presents The Ritual. Happening Saturday, February 23rd at 7.30 p.m. at the Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga. Tickets are available at TicketZone.com. You're going to see a Survivor Series Elimination Tag Team Match featuring Team Black Draft versus Team Destiny. OVE will face off against Aiden Prince and Kobe Durst for the Tag Team Championship. Chris Dickinson will face off against Michael Elgin. Dick Justice goes one-on-one against Stone Rockwell. For the Black Draft Women's Championship, Soraya Knight will face off against Shotzi Blackheart. First ever... Blood Ritual Deathmatch features Channing Decker and G. Raver going one-on-one. And the first half of the double main event sees the Black Draft Championship match having Johnny Backdraft taking on PJ Black. And the second half of the main event at Ritual will feature the Destiny World Champion Josh Alexander defending against Black Draft's Simon Grimm. Looks like a very stacked card when Backdraft and Destiny Wrestling present The Ritual on February 23rd from the Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga. This week's independent wrestling calendar is brought to you by Heatwave. Heatwave Hot Sauce Expo comes to the Centennial Hall Saturday, March 2nd here in London. Tickets for Heatwave can be done through purchase com. The Heatwave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy hot sauces and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors provide free samples on provided nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you like with hundreds of choices available from their vendors. Plus, fans attending get a totally unique experience with an 80s-themed motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beer, spirits, and much more available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of Spice or those just seeking an afternoon in the heat, Heatwave is the place to be. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Hey, I'm Alec Realm, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. All Elite Wrestling ended up selling out double or nothing 
on May 25th in officially four minutes. That's after the pre-sale that happened on the Monday that sold out in 26 minutes. So for a total of under 30 minutes, Double or Nothing sold out. This is the first official offering from AEW happening at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. The current card has Hangman Page taking on Pac, SoCal Uncensored versus Sima, and two other talents from Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. Dr. Brick Baker faces Nyla Rose and Kylie Ray in a three-way match. Cody Rhodes will also be in action as his opponent is yet to be announced. Kenny Omega faces off against Chris Jericho, and Sonny Kiss will be part of the many participants in the Over the Budget Battle Royal. Plus, while still not official, it's expected to see the Young Bucks taking on the Lucha Brothers in what will probably be the main event if the Omega-Jericho 2 match is not the main event. For those able to attend Double or Nothing, they can go early to Las Vegas and catch StarCast 2. Last Thursday, big news was released that they had officially announced that Mark Calloway, also known as The Undertaker, would be appearing. This marks The Undertaker's first non-WDE appearance. While there's speculation about his possible relationship with WDE and with AEW, Conrad Thompson stated that StarCast is not an AEW event and there is no direct link. Conrad also announced a lot of the shows that will be happening as there's going to be about two dozen panels throughout the whole four-day weekend. If it's anything like the first StarCast in September, the panels were shown as a part of the Fight TV app, and there was a big package deal available at that time. Some of the panels announced are an evening with Cody and the Young Bucks. 30 years and five stars later, Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat discuss their epic trilogy with Jim Ross. Lita will have a panel on women's wrestling. JR and the King will have their own panel. The Sharpshooter with Bret Hart. Behind the Paint with Sting. 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Crazy Like a Fox, Remembering Brian Pillman. Empty Arena Retrospective with Jerry the King Lawler and Terry Funk. X-Pac is going to host his 1-2-3-60 degrees of the Attitude Era. There's going to be an I Quit panel with Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA discussing their epic battle. And the Art of Wrestling with Colt Cabana plus the Double or Nothing weigh-ins. The current list of stars that are set to appear include The Undertaker, Cody, The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Brandy Rhodes, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Sting, Chris Jericho, SCU, Jim Ross, Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, Penelope Ford, Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, Tony Schiavone, Jerry Lawler, Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman, Scott Hall, Lita, Arn Anderson, Ricky Steamboat, Magnum TA, Barry Windham, J.J. Dillon, Sean Mooney, Tully Blanchard, Tommy Dreamer, Brian Pillman Jr., Bill Apter, Joy Ryan, David Arquette, Conan, Jerry Lynn, Terry Funk, Colt Cabana, Rob Van Dam, Shane Helms, The Godfather, Leva Bates, and Hornswoggle. 
It's a stacked weekend that's happening in Las Vegas over the Memorial Day weekend in the United States. If you were fortunate enough to get a ticket to Double or Nothing, you owe yourself the opportunity to go early to Las Vegas and check out StarCast 2. If not, both StarCast and Double or Nothing will be available on the Fight TV app. talking about Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, the second wave, is getting ready to go, along with thousands of the friends of Jericho and me sailing across the ocean to have the best vacation of a lifetime. I want to tell you right now, the hottest wrestling promotion in the world today, All Elite Wrestling, will be there. That's right, some of the greatest rock and roll bands in the world, some of the funniest comedians on the planet, paranormal experiences where you'll be wondering, is this really happening? Well, the answer is yes. It is really happening, and so is Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Part 2, Second Wave. Sign up for all the info for this all-elite vacation now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I want you on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea so we can all sail away, man! We'll see you there. Oh, yeah! It's a path to the Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019 at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is Southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can Buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an 80s theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of Spice, or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, Heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available right now. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Yo, this is Tarek. You're listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Punch, kick, chop, done. The Elimination Chamber pay-per-view happened last Sunday, and here are the following results from that event. On the kickoff show, Buddy Murphy pinned Akira Tozawa in a very competitive uh, match between the two, which lasted almost 14 minutes, and really got the crowd into the show for starters, and that's, I guess, the upside to 
the cruiserweights being on the kickoff show is that they are given more time than what they have been on the big shows and they get to warm up the crowd so being a curtain jerker kind of is not the be all and end all of everything and does set the pace so it's a great uh, match that they had and buddy murphy ended up winning with the murphy's law the main card started off with the highly anticipated, assumed to be main event, but now opening match of the Women's Elimination Chamber. It was under tag team rules as the winners were going to be presented as the first ever Women's WWE Tag Team Champion. Due to losing their respective three-way matches on Raw and SmackDown, the Boston Hog connection of Sasha and Bailey were starting off the match along with Sonya Deville and Manny Rose, who lost their match on SmackDown. After the first period ended, the Riot Squad members Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan entered the ring, followed by then the Iconics, and then the Fabulous Glow of Naomi and Carmella. Naomi and Carmella were the first to be eliminated by the Iconics with a assisted roll-up at 17 minutes. The last team to be released from their pod was Nia Jackson Tamina, who then ended up uh, chasing down the Iconics and hit them with stereo Samoan drops and pinned them at the same time at 20 minutes and 15 seconds. Tamina then went on to pin both Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan after she hit a superfly splash on both of them just five minutes later. The dominance of Tamina and Nia didn't last too much longer as Naya went for a spear and ended up missing and putting herself through one of the pods. This allowed the rest of the ladies to take advantage of Tamina, and they all piled on top of her after a elbow drop from Bailey. This then eliminated Tamina and Naya from the match, and we were back down to having the original two teams that started off the match with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, along with Bailey and Sasha. Six minutes later, Sasha hit the bank statement to get the submission and be crowned the first WWE Women's Tag Team Champions along with Bailey. It's actually kind of interesting how sometimes the lines of reality and wrestling blur when moments like that happen because as much as it was scripted and obviously predetermined as we know wrestling is, the emotion that the two had when they were given the titles was actually genuine, and it's those moments that you can't take away from anything. Plus, it's also interesting to note that while they were the ones pushing for the titles publicly to be created, they got crowned the first champions, but that makes the WD Four Horsewomen faction the first to do all the titles because Charlotte Flair was the first WWE Raw Women's Champion. Becky Lynch was the first WWE SmackDown Women's Champion. And now Sasha and Bayley are the first WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. So they will always have that distinction of being the first. And considering who the four are, congratulations to all four women. In a surprising upset, in a way, considering the legal issues that Jimmy Uso got himself into days before, the Usos ended up defeating The Miz and Shane McMahon 
when the Usos pinned the Miz since Shane was taken out after a dive through the table. I actually didn't expect this title to change until at least Fastlane, where you know they're getting closer to seeing Miz versus Shane at WrestleMania. Then Finn Balor became the new Intercontinental Champion as he pinned Leo Rush in their two-on-one Intercontinental title match with the former champion Bobby Lashley not even getting pinned to lose the title and then Lashley took it out on Leo Rush to end the segment. Ronda Rousey defended her WWE Raw Women's Championship against Ruby Riot in a huge squash match that took only a minute and 40 seconds. The main highlight of the match or the segment in general came with the fact that Charlotte Flair was at ringside watching this. After the match, she got into the ring and was face-to-face with Ronda, but they were both interrupted by a limping and on crutches Becky Lynch who came through the crowd and into the ring, even though she's serving a suspension given to her by Vince McMahon, and she's continuing to ignore it. Becky made her way up to her feet using the crutches and the ropes, and then looked at both Rhonda and Charlotte before dropping the crutches and starting to beat Charlotte down with one of them. And if you end up seeing some pictures of Charlotte after this, you can see that her one arm is all bruised up from the hitting of the crutches, and she was just going to town on her. Uh, Rhonda stood back and just watched and smiled the whole time, and then Becky stopped, encouraged Rhonda to pick up a crutch and take a round out on Charlotte too, since they had issues from the Survivor Series. But before Rhonda could end up doing anything to Charlotte, Becky ended up attacking Rhonda from behind and beating her down with the crutch, including even hitting her in the head accidentally, cutting her open on the uh, one side. And yeah, so Becky took advantage of everybody with the crutches until security finally showed up. She, for whatever reason, backed down and got escorted out as both Charlotte and Rhonda went the other way uh, back to the dressing room. Then, unfortunately, we had the no disqualification match between Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman, and that lasted almost 11 minutes. And it was 11 minutes way too long. And, yeah, I don't get this feud. It's happened way too much. Obviously, with the no disqualification rule put in place, that allowed Lashley and Drew McIntyre to get involved, and they just beat the holy hell out of Braun Strowman. They set up the stairs inside the ring, along with stacking up two tables. They did the shield powerbomb, triple powerbomb through the two tables with Braun, and then Baron picked up the victory, and all three men left the ring laughing their head off over what they had just did to Braun. The main event of the evening was the WWE Championship match inside the Elimination Chamber, as Daniel Bryan was defending against five other guys. Daniel ended up having to start off the match against Samoa Joe. Third into the ring was Kofi Kingston to a huge pop from the fans. AJ Styles was the fourth person into the ring, and he ended up eliminating Samoa Joe first with his phenomenal forearm at the 14.35 mark of the match. Jeff Hardy was 
the fifth person into the ring, but he was eliminated by Dan O'Brien after a running knee at the 18-minute mark. Randy Orton was the last man into the match as he had won the gauntlet on Tuesday night to score himself the last person to enter the chamber. He hit an RKO out of nowhere on AJ Styles as Styles was about to do another phenomenal forearm and come off the ropes, and he eliminated AJ with the RKO at the 22-25 mark. About a minute and a half later, Kofi Kingston hit Randy Orton with the Trouble in Paradise at 24.05, setting up a one-on-one match of Kofi Kingston and Dan O'Brien for the next 12 and a half minutes before, unfortunately, Kofi was pinned by the running knee from Dan O'Brien. So Daniel retained his WWE Championship and left the ringside area and was not seen afterwards, but what we did see the show ending as was the New Day members, Xavier Woods and Big E, came down to be with Kofi, who congratulated him on what he was doing, reminded him of the fact that this is 11 years in the making, and he totally deserved the standing ovation that the audience was giving him. They attempted to leave the ring, they ended up sitting on the steps for a moment, and then they finally run up the ramp and wave goodbye to end the elimination pay-per-view. Overall, it was rather predictable, unfortunately, but when you're on the road to WrestleMania, between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, you kind of need to have things a little more predictable and put into place as you're getting closer to the big event of the year. So I can't complain about the fact that it was predictable, minus the fact that I didn't see the Usos taking the tag team titles. But, yeah, it was a really good show. I think it was more impressive than people expected it to be, especially the women's Elimination Chamber match. I guess the women had practiced it a few times before being uh, told that they were going to go on first. Um, So they were definitely prepared. It wasn't going to be a botch fest and... Uh, really lazy looking thing like the original tag team uh, Elimination Chamber was a few years ago. So it was good that they made a chance at it and we'll see what happens with the tag team titles as Bailey and Sasha have said that they're going to defend them on Raw, SmackDown, and even down in NXT. Then over on Monday Night Raw, the show opened with Triple H uh, coming out to the ring. He ran down everything that was happening in WWE the last 24 hours with Boston Hug Connection winning their tag titles and Finn Balor winning the IC title, the rise of Kofi Kingston. Triple H mentioned the fact that Becky Lynch keeps on doing what uh, she's doing and that unfortunately, for legal reasons, if she does that again, she'll be arrested. But he thinks it's kind of cool from a personal level and kind of is trying to ride the line between authority and giving her the cool thumbs up uh, thing that Triple H uh, likes to do with trying to be still one of the boys. And then he mentioned the fact that Degeneration X is going to be inducted to the Hall of Fame, listed off everybody, including China, and that uh, they will be there, but it won't stop him from his duties at Raw and SmackDown. He also mentions that he has the responsibility overseeing WWE's third brand, 
NXT. So it was his pleasure to introduce uh, people who were going making the Raw debut that night. And it was Ricochet, Aleister Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. He then went on to introduce the fact that the first match of the night was going to be a tables match with Baron Corbin taking on Braun Strowman. Switch went back and forth and all over the place, uh, inside the ring, outside the ring. Strowman ended up picking up the win by putting Corbin through a table that was leaning in the corner of the ring with a running power slam. On Braun Strowman's way back to the dressing room, he ended up running into Paul Heyman, who'd come out for the next segment, and Paul begged for him not to touch him, but Braun started choking him, but then stopped and walked away. This kind of threw off Paul Heyman from what he wanted to say, so they went to commercial, and when they came back, Paul was in the middle of the ring and was boasting, obviously, about Brock Lesnar and showed a video of the first half of Brock's career in WWE. After the video, Heyman uh, went on to boast about how Brock beat the Undertaker streak, and there wasn't a thing that anybody could do about it, and he was about to take an impromptu uh, survey of the fans of who would win, whether it would be Seth Rollins or Brock at WrestleMania, and the crowd obviously was solidly behind Seth Rollins because of how absentee Brock Lesnar has been, but before things could continue, Finn Balor ended up coming to the ring. Finn's really happy about his title win because it's been a long time since he had a belt, and the fact that it's the Intercontinental title, it's one that he admired because of people like Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels holding it, and the fact that the Intercontinental title has a lot of legacy, and he plans on defending it. And as he was continuing to talk, he got cut off by Leo Rush. Leo was distracting him in time for Lashley to come from behind and attack him. And he was then saved, Finn was, by the debuting Ricochet. Ricochet and Finn ended up clearing the ring. They went to commercial, and as though Teddy Long was in the building, when they came back, it was deemed that there would be a tag team match between Leo Rush, Bobby Lashley against Finn Balor and Ricochet. Since this was Ricochet's debut on Raw, he was given a lot of the match and did a lot of special moves uh, that are signature to him. And at the end, it was Ricochet pinning Leo Rush with the 630 Centon. Drew McIntyre was shown backstage boasting about how he came to Raw to dominate it and wanted to prove that he should be in the main event of WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar and not Seth Rollins and wanted to go one-on-one with Seth. But then he was interrupted by Dean Ambrose who ended up slapping him and walking away and the match ended up making Drew against Dean instead of Seth. The Lucha House Party ended up being Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, which continues Kurt Hawkins' losing streak, even though he now has his former tag team partner back with him. Obviously, this is going to lead to some sort of big thing, whether it's at WrestleMania or something, where the streak finally ends, and they get the tag team titles or something from the revival. Who knows, but it's obviously going to end somehow with a big celebration and a big momentous win. It's just determining when that is going to happen. Ideally, it's probably going to be WrestleMania. 
in a very useless segment, it was uh, heavy machinery of Tucker and Otis coming out to have an interview on the stage, but then they were interrupted by Lacey Evans, who came down and strutted her stuff, so Tucker and Otis decided to strut their stuff and do sort of the bushwhacker walk down to the ring and back, while Lacey just watched them, and that was the end of that. Backstage, DIY, Gargano, and Ciampa were talking about their upcoming match against the Revival and were interrupted by Chad Gable and Bobby Roode, who congratulated them on being up there but wondered why they were getting a match against the Revival. And Chad reminded them that American Alpha had beat DIY in NXT and just to get under their skin. Revival ended up showing up and greeted DIY saying it had been a while and they're not looking for respect, they're just looking to impress. And so up next was the Revival against DIY. While not being the same intensity and great match that they had at NXT Toronto, this was still a really good match that they had between the two. And unfortunately the crowd on this night, from start to finish, were quite dead. And having that heavy machinery Lacey Evans segment right before this match probably didn't help much and yeah it was a very dead crowd for a great match on tv with diy end up getting the pinfall with a super kick knee strike combination on scott dawson sasha and bailey made their announcement that they were so happy to be the new women's tag team champions and mentioned that the fact that they're going to go to raw smackdown and NXT to defend the titles against any of the women who want to step up against them, and they were interrupted by Tamina and Nia Jax. Of course, Nia tried to insinuate that Sasha was only using Bailey and only cares about herself, but they were ended up run off, and eventually we're going to obviously see Tamina and Nia challenging for the tag team titles, possibly even at Fastlane, against Sasha and Bailey. Drew McIntyre beat Dean Ambrose very quickly with two Claymores, and people wonder why Dean is jobbing out because he's leaving and everything, and that this isn't good for him. But if he is leaving, he's at least putting over other people. Like, they're not going to give a guy who's leaving a push. So, yeah, it's understandable. Maybe it could have been a little more competitive. But we've also seen that combination a few times over. So the shorter, the better. Second half of the Brock Lesnar career retrospective by Paul Heyman was shown. And then Seth was interviewed backstage and he talked about how he's going to be ready to go against Brock at WrestleMania. In came Dean Ambrose rubbing his neck and standing beside Seth. Seth looked over and wondered, what does Dean want? They gave a curious look to each other, and Dean just shrugged his shoulders and walked off. For whatever reason, Dean thinks they're back being friends, even though he gave him like the seal of approval last week on Raw to go and take the title from Brock. But I don't think Seth is so quick to forgive and forget everything that happened since October between the two of them. Elias went against Aleister Black in a very quick match, and Black obviously won with his Black Mass. And the main event of the night saw a more competitive match between Ronda Rousey and Ruby Riot for the women's championship match. 
but that still wasn't enough for Ruby to get the victory and Ronda made Ruby submit with the cross armbar to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Smackdown Live the next night started off with Shane McMahon and he recapped everything that happened with Kofi Kingston and his epic performance at the Elimination Chamber and then he hyped up a six-man tag team match involving the participants from the Chamber at the end of the night. Shane also said that the NXT call-ups from the night before impressed him so much that he invited them over to SmackDown as well for this episode. The Miz ended up coming out next and apologized and felt guilty for losing the tag team titles at the Elimination Chamber event two nights prior to the Usos and said that he kind of used Shane and the whole father-son relationships and stuff like that and they were almost talking as though they wanted to get back together and or Miz wanted them to get back together and challenge for a rematch. The Usos came out and said, hey, you know, there's no more re- uh, automatic rematch clause here in WWE, but they're willing to do so if Shane's willing to forgive The Miz, but he know they know he won't because they said that Shane knows that Miz is useless, a loser, a C-lister, not an A-lister, and that insult actually provoked Shane to say that they can't insult his tag team partner, and that, yeah, he forgives them, and that they'll be uh, challenging for the titles at Fastlane. Aleister Black came out and went against Andrade. These two had a great match like they always did in NXT. Probably one of Aleister Black's greatest rivals was Andrade. And so this uh, match between the two was definitely a great match for SmackDown TV with Aleister Black hitting the Black Mass and getting the victory. Gargano and Ciampa were backstage talking about how their year has gone, both fighting each other, and everything has gone down over the last year. And they were interrupted by the bar, who basically challenged them to a fight later on. And Gargano basically acknowledged that, yeah, they're going to face each other, but they're not there to set the bar. They're there to break the bar. DIY then took on the bar, and it was another really good battle between these guys if they're able to revive the tag team somehow with using DIY and do what they haven't been able to do for a while then I'm all for it but DIY ended up uh, getting the victory Asuka then had an interview in the ring and she said that she's ready for a new challenge and she beat both Becky and Charlotte at TLC and even made Becky tap out the Royal Rumble is looking for something else now. Enter Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, and this led to a Mandy Rose match against Asuka. After faking an eye injury, Mandy Rose was able to get a pin on Asuka. Eric Young, who had the rest of Sanity at ringside with him, took on the debuting Ricochet. After a back-and-forth match, Ricochet ended up hitting his 630 senton on Eric Young for the victory. Just before the main event, Dan O'Brien announced that he will not be facing any of the guys that are going to be in the match tonight, 
as his opponents for Fastlane, and they proceeded to do the six-man tag, which then Kofi Kingston ended up getting the victory after hitting Daniel Bryan with the Trouble in Paradise. After the match, the New Day rushed the ring and put Kofi on their shoulders. Shane came out to announce that Daniel Bryan's opponent at Fastlane was going to be Kofi Kingston. And so everybody was celebrating, including even AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy, who were congratulating him. Which is odd, considering they're not going to be going for the title, but they congratulated Kofi in getting that match. And that's how SmackDown ended up finishing off this week. If you get a chance, check out 205 Live, where actually Mike Bennett had a really good match on it compared to what he's been having lately, even though he's ended up losing, but it was still a really good match. Over on NXT, it was confirmed that your new North American champion is, in fact, Velveteen Dream, who beat Johnny Gargano for the title in his first title defense. And that's all the uh, action that happened this past week. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash The Signature Spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like The Signature Spot on Facebook. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. And now for your WWE News update for this week. PWInsider.com reported that MLW and WWE came to a deal where WWE will now own the official rights to War Games. MLW had the rights, but they were willing to share with others, and they even presented their own War Games matches over the last couple of years, but now it's solely WD property. For fans of Conrad Thompson and his uh, podcast that he does with Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, and Bruce Pritchard, news is coming out that a second season of Something Else to Wrestle is coming very soon to the WDE Network. As originally announced by ESPN, Degeneration X will be the first inductees announced for this year's WWE Hall of Fame, and that's in the entire group, including Sean, Hunter, X-Pac, 
Road Dog, Billy Gunn, even though he works for AEW, and the ninth one of the world, China. A lot of people are complaining that China should be going in separately, but hey, beggars can't be choosers, and at least she is finally getting recognized. Though oddly enough, even though they're including all those members of D-Generation X, they're not including Ravishing Rick Rude, who, yes, already is in the Hall of Fame, but I guess because of what he did to DX and Jumping Ship, and being on Raw and Nitro the same night, maybe that's why he's not included in DX. I've seen some reports where they're saying that Vince McMahon was a little bit desperate with ratings dropping for Raw and SmackDown, and that's why the NXT call-ups of Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Aleister Black, and Ricochet happened, and that they're going to be both available for both Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, which is going to be interesting considering all the things that are going on with Ciampa and Gargano in the world of NXT, yet they're tagging partners in the WWE universe. So I don't know how they're going to string all that together. Good luck. Um, apparently also Triple H was unaware of the initial call-ups and even got into an argument with Vince over some of the booking of how Ricochet was going to be used since it was going to be originally Ricochet against Finn Balor. But Finn had just won the Intercontinental title, and Ricochet is still somewhat undefeated. And so that would just be an odd clash of two baby faces with great styles. It would be an amazing match. But Triple H, I guess, fought with Vince and got his way to put it as a tag team match and unexpectedly had Leo Rush and Lashley back together. But yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing how the four of them move forward and how they're used on Raw and SmackDown compared to their NXT personas. The WD Network has now added all 34 episodes of WD Confidential, starting with the premiere episode that happened in May of 2002, and the show lasted until March 2003. Probably the most controversial story that was on there involved the death of Miss Elizabeth, so it's definitely worth uh, going back and checking out WD Confidential on the WD Network. The Hollywood Reporter announced that there's going to be a biopic made for Netflix based on the life story of Hulk Hogan. Apparently Chris Hemsworth is going to be portraying Hogan during this, and there's a lot of people that are going to be involved behind the scenes. As Hogan will be serving as a consultant and Eric Bischoff is going to be having a role as one of the producers of the movie. And it's going to be, I guess, looking at Hogan's origins and growing up, not necessarily the latter half that we now know him for with his sex tape and his racist remarks. So it might lead right up to maybe WrestleMania 3-ish with that sort of growth and his biggest popularity. I'd be surprised if it went any further towards his NWO stuff, but you never know. As announced on SmackDown, Kofi Kingston is now going to be challenging Dana Bryan for the WWE Championship at Fastlane. This is a huge change considering he wasn't even in the title picture up until a week before Elimination Chamber, but because of the hour-long Iron Man performance that he put in on SmackDown, 
in the gauntlet match and the great performance he did during Elimination Chamber. The fans have got some momentum swelling for him. It's almost like how it did for Dana Bryan a couple of years ago. They're now listening, I guess, again to the fans and going to give Kofi a shot at the title. I don't know if that means he's going to even get it, but he's getting a title shot, and then they might get back on track for WrestleMania for whatever the plans were for Dana Bryan and the WWE Championship. Also said to happen at Fastlane is Miz and Shane McMahon teaming up again to try and reclaim their SmackDown Tag Team titles against the Usos, and it's expected that the Boston Hug Connection will be defending the women's tag team titles against Nia Jax and Tamina in their first title defense. More matches will obviously be coming up in the next couple weeks as they only have a few weeks to prepare for WWE Fastlane. 205 Live also announced this week that they're going to hold a single elimination tournament with the winner facing off against Buddy Murphy at WrestleMania for the Cruiserweight title. It was announced on WD.com that Roman Reigns is set to appear on Raw this week to address his health status. So who knows how that's going. And hopefully, obviously, one would assume that it's a positive thing that that's why he's going to be on TV. And it's probably another ploy for Vince to get more ratings if you have Roman Reigns on there. Also this Monday on Raw... WD will be celebrating Ric Flair's 70th birthday. One person who may or may not be there uh, for the celebration is one Arn Anderson, as it's come to light that Arn is no longer working with WD, at least as a producer. Still hasn't been acknowledged whether or not it was by his choice or if it was WD's choice. However, WD just recently did bring in a bunch of new talent to be producers for the show, including Shane Helms, Jeff Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt, Sean Devari, and Chris Parks, a.k.a. Abyss. In all honesty, it just might be about changeover and getting away from the staleness, and that's why apparently the fans are turning their back on WD because they want something fresh. The only way to freshen things up isn't to bring more talent that is fresher ideas than the old regime. And that's not a knock on Arn Anderson at all. I really actually do like Arn Anderson. And it just could be his age and he might have wanted to go himself. So we'll have to see what happens. Speaking of people who wanted to go themselves, it was reported that Ty Dillinger had asked for his release and has been granted it along with Hideo Itami, Kenta Kobayashi, and also TJ Perkins was released as well, just in the last couple hours. I do find it interesting with those releases that it, even if they were given 90-day no-compete clauses, that runs out two days before uh, AEW's Double or Nothing. So there is a potential that not all of them had Definitely don't want all, everybody that abandons WWE to find greener pastures to be picked up by AEW because AEW's only going to have so much space on their roster. But there's a chance that some of these guys could appear at least during the over-the-budget Battle Royal. 
And that concludes your WDE News for this week. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, comes to London Ramada in April 26th to the 28th. Already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest? You're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn, it's Shockstock. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money. And that concludes another episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Once again, I'm Sean, I'm your host, and I look forward to any feedback you might have So feel free to drop it, whether it's on our Twitter page, email it to me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, or over on our Facebook page. I'm always available. This is your show, my show, everybody's show. We want to highlight everything that's happening in Ontario. So if you attend a local indie show, please feel free to send me the results, whether it's by text or by audio, and I'll include you in the show and give you credit for what you put forward. Be sure to stop by our Facebook page where you can take part in our fantasy polls daily for Fantasy Warfare February or help decide the Ontario Wrestling March Madness tournament that's going to happen from March 1st to March 31st on our Facebook page. Also, share this podcast with your friends. We're available on multiple platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And finally, don't forget to help support the Buffalo Brothers and buy raffle tickets for our autographed Scumbags Wrestling Podcast t-shirt that was done by the ladies of the Canusa Classic this past October at the London Comic Con. Tickets are just 3 for $5 or 10 for 10 and all money raised through this will be donated to the Buffalo Brothers in their healing process and will be drawn on April 6th before the WWE Hall of Fame. Back next week with more information and news from all around the wrestling world here in Ontario and then beyond our borders. Have a great week.